a big sip. Well, 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 I am so excited for another episode of The Big Sip with none other than one of the coolest individuals I've ever met in my life. And I know you guys hear me give all these like super cool intros at the beginning, but I swear to you, this gentleman is one of the most eclectic people ever. And uh, it is just such a pleasure to actually be sitting here after just honestly spending all my money at your restaurants <laughs> and just enjoying the vibe that you bring to get to know you on a level where I'm, we're about to dive into your cup of wisdom, your journey, everything that you've brought forth that's led to four phenomenally successful restaurants from the East Coast to the West Coast. I mean, I'm telling you, this is a treat for me. And I hope it's a treat for all of you too. Tamer Hamawi. 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 No, don't look at me like you kind of got it. Let me know. This is all about it's you. It's funny because I say it differently to how Blair says it. And she's always like, that's not how you say it. And I'm like, I think it's how I say it. You're like, I think I would know like, how to pronounce it. It's not Hamawi. It's Hamawi. I'm like, all right, Hamawi, whatever. Hamawi. Hamawi. Beautiful. Oh, I pronounced it right. Amazing. Thank you, Debbie. That was quite the intro. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I'm so serious about everything that I said. Literally, like it has been a pleasure getting to know you and Blair over the last couple of years, but to dive into everything that you are, everything that you've brought forth. I mean, you have quite the portfolio of restaurants behind you. As I said, from the West Coast here with Grand Electrica in Napa Valley, also awarded like the best Mexican restaurant in 2000. 19. So yeah, all the way out to Brooklyn, where you also have a Grand Electrica, you've got a wine bar. It's all about like Italian dining and aperitifs and just this is inspired cooking pips. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's right. And then we've got, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we've got Colony, which uh, has just an another extensive, delicious menu that I'm like, mm -mm -mm, I need to take a trip out to Brooklyn. You definitely do. <laughs> definitely. I definitely do. Yes. What? This is amazing. I mean, what has led to this phenomenal journey of just all these incredible businesses? Well, I have to say, I think it starts with my mom. You know, she is an incredible host. Um, she's Egyptian. Mm. And I don't know if you know this, Gabby, but Egyptians are known as the kings of hospitality. <laughs> I didn't, but... It's true. Okay, so, now I do. Yeah, so I kind of grew up with her always in the kitchen. You know, I'd rather be with her in the kitchen than outside in the garden with my dad. And, you know, so I would just kind of hang out with her and we would cook these huge meals for like 25, 30 people. And it was just something I grew up with and I kind of fell in love with that and... Um, ultimately I just wanted to be, I, you know, I kind of felt like I wanted to be in this industry where I was responsible for people's happiness. You know, I, <sighs> that was going to be my, you know, my way of being was just creating joy and happiness for people. And I just thought what, what better industry to be in than hospitality. Hospitality and food mm -hmm. and drinks. Yep. <laughs> and you bring all of those elements so well. I have yet to visit Brooklyn, like I said, but mm -hmm. when I get there, I know it is not going to be any different than the incredible vibe and happiness. I love that that's what you were looking for at the end of the day to you. Is is that what, what, what was success was just if you could make people happy, then you knew you were doing the right thing? That's really it. Yeah, that, that brings me so much joy and it's, you know, it's it's, it's what kind of keeps us going. Oh, my gosh. Who is this human? <laughs> <laughs> Which one then came first? So we've got Colony, <clears throat> Pips, and Grand Electrica all in Brooklyn. And we've got Grand Electrica here in Napa 
So here's the story. <laughs> All so right. Colony came first, um, together with my two amazing partners, Emily and Elise. We were all part of a management team for a hospitality group in Manhattan. Mm. We broke away and started our own thing in 2011. That was Colony, and Colony is an amazing restaurant. It's kind of our firstborn child, and you know we we have a very special place in our heart for Colony. It's still going. It's you know it survived the pandemic, and it's still rocking, and it's as yes. busy as ever. And um, it's a really special spot, you know. And and that restaurant, we were all about just kind of creating this like super cool, fun neighborhood spot. You know, mm. we didn't want to kind of go too crazy with it. We just wanted. We just wanted to create something that was like a real solid neighborhood local. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we were really passionate about all things sustainable. Mm -hmm. And um, we really wanted to kind of focus on that and put together a menu that was, you know, really responsible. And so that's basically the concept. It's just farm to table. You know, I know that that phrase gets passed around a lot, but back then it was relatively new. And Colony was, you know, it was kind of a success from day one. We opened on a Friday night at 6.30 p.m. Perfect night to go out. <laughs> by seven, every seat was taken and oh we've kind of been full ever since. Oh my gosh. That's so that's so kind great. of what started it all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys have been a part of the absolute best restaurants in Brooklyn Heights, Zagat's Best Brunches in New York City, Eater's Top Spots in Brooklyn. I mean, Thrillist has covered you, Eater New York. Everything has gotten attention out in Colony. And I thought it was interesting when I first read it, I was like, Colony. And you're like, no, 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 Colony. Where, where was the inspiration for that name? So we were, you know, trying to figure out what to call this restaurant. And interestingly, you know, we have this amazing partnership, myself and my, my two wonderful partners, Emily and Elise, and naming the business has been the most contentious issues we've, <laughs> we've faced as a partnership. So, so with Colony, we, we just sort of researched the history of where we were in Brooklyn and, and kind of found this old map of, of Brooklyn by the Dutch settlers and Brooklyn had this really odd spelling with a kind of J and K in there. And, um, and this map was called Brooklyn Colony and it was spelled with an IE. So we just thought, mm. let's go with Colony. Let's go with Colony, yeah. IE version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my partners actually was kind of like not really behind it at all. Um, <laughs> to her, it was like one little dash off the word colonic, which... <laughs> Which she wasn't thrilled with, but, you know, we deliberated over this name for so many months and we were literally about to open and we just had to decide. So it was two against one in the end. And you're like, and rock, paper, scissors, take it. your choice. That's it. Colony was, was born. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And well, the menu, just reading it looks absolutely delicious. So then uh, I just, everything, all of your menus, you have so many different cultural influences that you're bringing. And that's so great to just see the diversity in your background and everything that, you know, you bring forth on that menu. Where is that inspiration drawn from to just include so many different cultural backgrounds and how do you decide on, you know, what's the next one you're going to feature? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say it's a, a couple of things, you know, first of all, it would be my love of travel, mm. you know, I'm absolutely obsessed with travel and I've, I've seen a good part of the world. I'm, I think I'm up to about 55 countries oh right now. Oh my gosh. Um, it's arguably my biggest passion in life. So I just love to, to experience other cultures and other cuisines. And so that's definitely a big part of it. I think the other the other real um, probably thing there is, you know, I just, you know, with Gran Electrica in particular, you know, I just discovered this wonderful world of Mexican cuisine mm. and I hadn't really experienced it in Australia. And I come from Melbourne, which is 
probably the food capital of Australia. It's got an amazing food scene, restaurants from all over the world, but we never knew what real Mexican food was all about. <laughs> In fact, growing up, we only had one Mexican restaurant and it was a chain and it was called Taco Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we know then just by the name that right. it's a chain restaurant, uh-huh. <laughs> Taco, Taco Bill. Taco Bill, yeah. And Taco Bill would serve... You know, the standard hard shell taco with ground beef, shredded iceberg lettuce, cheddar cheese, tomato, maybe some sour cream if you're lucky. (laughs) And that's what I grew up on. That's what I knew of what a taco was. And it wasn't actually until I moved to New York that I I started to experience, well, there's this whole other world of Mexican cuisine. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I started traveling to Mexico every chance I got And I really just fell in love with the cuisine and the culture and agave spirits. And so with that, Gran Electrica, the second restaurant we opened, was born. Um, I had actually originally planned to do that in Australia. And after five years of living in New York, I decided I really needed to go back home and start this Mexican restaurant empire that I was that I was going to build in Australia. <laughs> I'm taking out Taco Bell. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to take out Taco Bell. I'm going to show Australians what it's all about. And so I actually, you know, packed up my life in New York and and I moved back to Australia, which was a a really tough decision. I had a really great job in Manhattan and moving back home was, you know, it was was a big decision, but it was just really important to me to get this restaurant open. Mm -hmm. And so I moved back and together with a partner of mine in Australia, we started looking for spaces and we spent about three months trying to find the right space. And we put down a couple of offers Nothing panned out. And after about three months of being back in Melbourne, I realized that I'd kind of left my heart in New York Mm -hmm. and I wasn't ready to be back in Australia. And the owners of the restaurant I'd been working at kind of heard that I wasn't necessarily super happy and hadn't really opened the spot that I planned to open yet. And so they kind of jumped on it and and lured me back to New York and kind of lured. (laughs) They literally flew me back, put me up. Um, and just said, look, come back. We really need help with our second restaurant, which I'd already sort of helped plan. And they said, you know, come back for a month, two months, whatever you want to do. And then you can go back to Australia and do your thing. And for me, that was all I needed to go back to New York with my dignity fully intact. (laughs) And, um, so I sort of said goodbye to Australia and I, and I told my partner there, I said, look, I'm just going to go back to New York for a little while. And he's like, you're never coming back. I was like, no, 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 I, I am. I'm just, you know, he's like, you're not coming back. And so I left him with the business plan. I moved back to New York. He ended up opening that restaurant about a year later in Melbourne. Very cool. Um, it's called Mamacita and it became, it became one of the hottest restaurants in Melbourne, if not Australia. It okay. started the Mexican food revolution in Australia. Yes. And now there's a plethora of amazing Mexican restaurants and, you know, they're all... Trailblazers yeah, out here. Look yeah. at you. So I like, I like to think that I had a little part in that, but... Um, you did, your so business happy. plans. I'm so happy that Maddie ended up doing that and um, he's got, you know, several restaurants now and he's killing it. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, you said at the beginning, you're chasing happiness mm-hmm. and that's what you went and you did. You're like, yes, this was my original goal, right? This vision, this dream. But the end result, you're just like, my heart isn't here. It's back in New York. Yeah. And you know what? I realized that what I was really saying was that I hadn't 
met Blair yet. Oh, can't do an interview here without mentioning Blair. <laughs> was Blair already a part you of know, the picture? I, you know, she was. She, I employed her actually at, at a restaurant in Manhattan called Public and I employed her as a host and, you know, she had a boyfriend at the time and, you know, I would never fraternize with my staff, of course. Never. <laughs> but, um, you know, so we were just work colleagues and it wasn't until I moved back to Australia that we started kind of connecting online and um, we were just sort of chatting every now and again and then when I moved back to New York. Guess that's who's when back. It, that's right. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when it, it kind of, it took off and we started hanging out a lot more and, and here we are, we're married with a kid and living and in Napa. Living in Napa and traveling around the world, Napa. living large. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh my gosh. That's so great. Another little splash of Miss Cull. Absolutely. Right. So you ended oh, we, another phenomenal thing aside with all his restaurants, just the, the beverages here, you know, we call it the big sip. We love to enjoy wine today because Tamer is uh, <laughs> an expert in all things Mezcal. We're enjoying a little bit of that. And he has quite the lineup. If you have ever visited Grand Electrica, does the scene look the same in, in Brooklyn? That entire wall of just tequila and mezcal? Totally. Oh yeah. my gosh, so great. So then you opened up Grand Electrica in Brooklyn then. Yeah, so we, um, you know, we did so well with Colony and we really sort of filled a, a niche in the, in that neighborhood. There wasn't really anything of, of amazing quality at that time. And, you know, to find a neighborhood that doesn't have great restaurants in New York is kind of rare. Mm-hmm. And so here we are in Brooklyn Heights, you know, one of the most affluent neighborhoods in New York City, just over the bridge. And there were no great restaurants. And so we built Colony and then we started getting all these residents from Dumbo, which is a neighboring neighborhood right on the waterfront which has you know some of the best views of manhattan you can find and all of those guests would come to colony and say can you please do something in dumbo (laughs) and so after a while we're like all right let's do this and because i already had a business plan for a mexican restaurant in my pocket it made sense (laughs) (laughs) it made sense to do to do that in dumbo and so that's where grand electrica was born and we found this really cool space it's actually the oldest standing office building in new york city it was built in 1827 so cool one block off the water and so this this super old building has all this natural charm and this amazing back patio that just felt really right yeah i think what i really love and you know I can't wait till the day. I'm speaking into existence right now. I will go to Brooklyn and check out all of these phenomenal restaurants. But the one thing that I know that I love about Grand Electrica is you truly capture, and I'm Latina, you know, mm-hmm. I'm half Mexican. I appreciate Mexican food so much. Yeah. And every ounce of spice and like rich flavor, like savory, just deliciousness that you would experience with homegrown, natural Mexican cooking, I'm talking your grandma status, is tasted in all of the dishes there. Like Ignacio here in Napa does a phenomenal job was that equally as important when you were searching for the perfect partner to have in your business to truly capture and reflect the quality that you had fallen in love with during your travels? Absolutely. And I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because 
that is super important to us. And you know, one of the one of the biggest challenges we've faced here in Napa, we didn't really get this so much in New York, but here in Napa, we did get a lot of criticism in the early days for cultural appropriation. Mm. And so, you know, here I am, this like Egyptian Australian-born guy bringing Mexican food to California. You know, who is this? Who's guy? this dude? Who is this guy? And so there were a lot of haters out there ready to hate. People have know. that haterade in their mm-hmm. hands. <laughs> And, you know, I'm not Mexican, but, you know, most of our staff are. And, you know, it was really important to me to represent Mexico as as best as we could. And I really wanted people to feel like when they came to our restaurant, they were tasting food as if they were in Mexico. Mm. And the the difference is, is they're, they're, they're tasting it in an environment that's a little different to Mexico. This is an environment that I'm creating that gives my own little flair and, and personal touch that from a design perspective and from a sort of an ambiance perspective, mm-hmm. all those things kind of give it a little point of difference. But as far as the cuisine goes and this, the sort of agave spirit program goes, we are all about representing Mexico. Oh, and you feel it the moment you walk in. I've never learned so much about my own cultura more than I have simply eating at your restaurant and and drinking your drinks. I mean, again, you have that beautiful wall of mezcal, of tequila, not to mention you have this really cool concept, the Agave Club, which you can totally dive into, that literally allows people to learn about all of these different Mexican mezcal and tequila producers. And you bring in people to educate, to do tastings, like do you do all these really cool, I remember the salty Sundays were a really big hit before the COVID days. They're coming back. Oh, yes. May 30th. Mark oh, my, he has a people. date. Oh, my gosh. Memorial weekend. This is trouble. I live across mm-hmm. the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you give people opportunities to learn and educate themselves about that. Can yeah. you can you share or elaborate on where the inspiration and concept for that programming came from? Yeah. I mean, there's such an incredible world of agave agave spirits out there. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of going to Mexico quite a number of times. And each time I go, I'll try and visit a distillery and and really kind of see what's going on out there. And it's it's really beautiful to go to these distilleries, particularly with mezcal, where you're you're going to these these uh, family run generational distilleries that, Mm. you know, are fairly rudimentary in their in their sort of layout and design but these people have been doing it for so long and they're so passionate about it and so for us being out here being able to showcase what they do and buying their product is is kind of our little way of helping support these communities Mm -hmm. and we really love that aspect so we tend to only work with the sort of smaller run um, family run distilleries and and that's kind of why we we really love mezcal and you know we love tequila too but you know, tequila can be often mass produced and we tend to encourage people who haven't tried mezcal to, you know, not get too concerned by the smokiness or, you know, the other qualities that they might have been used to and just to give it a shot 
because literally is, yeah because <laughs> there is this amazing world out there for them to explore yeah, yeah. i've never explored mezcal mm-hmm. the way i have like i have at gran electrica mm-hmm. and it's just again because you you have the options available for people to learn and to just think about you know what are the differences between in this and that mm-hmm. and i was put off by that smokiness originally it was like yep. a cool kind of different concept but then i was like this is a little too harsh for me i don't know yeah. how i feel about it. i need to drown it in sugar yeah um but after a while you just really start to appreciate it similar to wine you know a lot of what's grown around here in, in Napa and it's so funny that uh, you mentioned tequila because I traveled there about a year and a half ago and it was funny as I was traveling through the roads you know all you see are fields and fields of agave and I'm like oh my gosh this is probably what people who come here wine tasting feel like they're like look at all these grapes and I'm over here like look at all this agave <laughs> and it's just stunning to see the again the culture the access to the plants these family-owned generational businesses Mm-hmm. And the fact that you are directly supporting that and importing from them directly is just one of one of the most uh, coolest concepts. You know, with mezcal, there's there's certain agaves that take sometimes 25 years, 30 years to harvest one plant. Mm. So often the person planting that agave is not the person that ends up harvesting the agave, which I think That's is so just wild. So That's yeah. so wild to think about. Yeah. So how many years after you started at Grand Electrica in Brooklyn did you end up opening Grand Electrica here in Napa? Six years. Six years. Yeah, so we ended up opening a third restaurant within the first year and a half of starting up in Brooklyn with my partners. And that third restaurant was called Governor. It was actually kind of the crown jewel of our group, if you will. It was this sort of destination spot, a little bit higher end. um, And that was right on the waterfront Mm. overlooking Manhattan and... um, Unfortunately, that restaurant drowned, literally drowned in Hurricane Sandy in, 2000, in 2012. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so five feet of flood water <laughs> rose up in the East River and completely flooded our restaurant, and it was, it was basically destroyed. So we're kind of used to disasters and pandemics and all. I was so literally about to say, yeah. I can't look at Fires, you without... Yes. air quality, yeah, bring it. I can't look at you without literally just being like, you have gone through it all. Mm -hmm. We're talking hurricanes. We're talking wildfires, which, by the way, the first one happened and you were sharing with me off air. Blair was pregnant at that time. So trying to navigate, bringing a child into the world while you're also balancing a newly opened business, smoky air, the pandemic. I can't even imagine navigating all of your restaurants for businesses during a pandemic, like you would think you would shut down and yet here you are thriving. And I think that speaks for not just the quality of the food, not just the quality for the environment that you create, but truly the relationships and connections that you're able to build that transcends beyond just any business sort of quote unquote aspect. And people are firmly invested in you and feel like they have a home within what you've created. I think to me, you know, you might define success differently, but if the original goal was let me provide some happiness, I think that's exactly what you do and you do it well. And that is why you still are here with four incredible businesses. One, which I'm almost positive Pips was launched during the pandemic. Am it was I wrong? actually launched three months prior to the pandemic. Okay, That one actually got hit the hardest because it was so new right. and um, it really, you know, didn't have a huge, you know, sort of stability there to kind of keep it through. But somehow we've managed to keep all four alive. And, you know, I have to give 
props to my partners because they're amazing and and they've been kind of representing in New York as best as I could ever have hoped and you know it's been it's been challenging but we were we were determined to not be one of the casualties and to be the survivors and we've seen a lot of our colleagues not make it through and mm. um you know it's it's been so tough on everybody but we're 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 almost there we can see the light I'm feeling it, especially yep. with the new rollout that came yeah. uh, from the governor saying, you know, come July, we're supposed to get out of some color-coded tiers, yeah. Napa County officially making into the orange. Yeah. Feels good to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Before we could even see the light, though, I mean, what were those emotions that you were experiencing as someone who was like, uh, we have four businesses right now that we need to maintain all at the same time. I mean, what does that do to somebody mentally, emotionally, physically? Like, you look great. How have you been surviving? How are you doing? You know, it was it was certainly tough. Um, we emotionally, it's, it's been kind of a roller coaster, to be honest, all year, just kind of really rolling with the punches. And, and it's been, um, you know, so challenging on many levels, but you know, at a certain point, you just have to kind of realize a lot of people have it so much harder than you do. Mm. And that was really, that was really important to us to kind of recognize that we're, we're actually even as challenging as it is, we are the fortunate ones. And, you Mm. know, if if you're a hairdresser or, um, you know, a, a performer on Broadway, you know, these, these professions just really had it so much tougher than us. And so, you know, putting things in perspective was was kind of key to kind of making it through this. And mm. um, ultimately, we just feel really lucky. I love yeah. that. Yeah, such a humble individual, I swear. And the coolest individual. You're involved in all these food spaces. You also have some badass DJ skills, <laughs> might I say, which you do bring to Grand Electrica. Do you also do that out in uh, Brooklyn? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, so cool. Well, you know, it all kind of, I mean, I've been super passionate about music my whole life and and that sort of starts with my family and, um, you know, my mom and my brother's influence. But, um, you know, with electronic music in particular, I kind of fell in love with it from the sort of late 80s and have always been super passionate about it. And I ended up opening a nightclub in Melbourne, which was which was hugely successful in, wow. in 99, 2000. And that club is still kind of talked about today oh. without, <laughs> without sort of tooting my own <laughs> horn there. But it was pretty damn cool and um, nothing else has touched it. And I just really love music and I love playing music for people and and seeing the reactions and seeing them dance and so I love bringing that element to our restaurants and music is another layer of the whole dining experience yeah it's not not just a kind of a background element where you can barely hear the music we want people to hear the music we want people to appreciate that that's another part of a layer experience yeah Mm -hmm. for sure 100 percent. yep and you do it with salty sundays which Mm -hmm. what what day did you say that's coming back may 30th may 30th it is in my calendar (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly planning smartly this time Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that is going to be quite the fun uh and for those of you who are locals to the napa area or even if you plan on 
fun coming here during that weekend. Salty Sundays is an event you do not want to miss. There are, like I said, free mezcal tastings. We call it research because there's an educational element to it. You've got hammers. Paloma popsicles. Mm-hmm, bubbles. <laughs> dancing going on. You're usually, you know, spinning some tracks. You've got your friends out there who are also really big DJs in the music industry. I yeah. mean, you guys are doing some crazy cool things what do you owe so much of of this success to wow um and maybe and who do you credit for for maybe some of the inspiration behind everything that you've you've been able to build you know i did have the good fortune of working for an incredible company in new york um Abraco, they're an architectural design firm and they were and they still are some of the coolest people i know and they're They've since blown up as a company and they're building hotels and restaurants all over the world now and they're a hugely successful company. So I have the privilege of having worked from them for them uh, at a very early stage, but they certainly taught me a lot. I think I sort of mentioned my mom earlier mm-hmm. and, and she sort of gave me that initial inspiration to, to kind of learn how to cook and, and to kind of create these beautiful hospitality experiences. But, you know, I, um, I think just... Working hard and and together with my business partners, we, you know, we really try and give our guests at every point, you know, a a genuine, honest quality experience. And, you know, I think that pays off in the end. 100%. I feel like then it's really important, though to be mindful of who we have in our circles then. You know, Mm -hmm. a a lot of what you've been able to build is because you keep crediting these two phenomenal individuals who have basically been your right and left hands throughout this entire journey. What was that like for you in in knowing, you know, who you could depend on, who you could trust? What advice would you have for anybody who, you know, is looking around and seeing like, how do I start building, building up my circle? Um, I would say just work hard. Don't expect too much in the beginning. Prove yourself. Mm. You know, I feel like particularly with, um, some of, some of the younger kids coming up, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like, I just want all the money and I want it now, but you really have to prove yourself. And I think that if you kind of go in with that mindset and you really show that you're passionate, that you have a good work ethic, good stuff will come to you. Just be patient. Mm, 100%, especially the fact where you started mentioning the proving to yourself part. Because sometimes we're not ready to take in the blessings that we're asking for. It's like we want them, but we're not making space for them or positioning ourselves to also put in the work that's going to be required for when you finally do have those blessings. I, I can't imagine that managing four restaurants and being the owner of four restaurants is by any means an easy feat. Uh, but if you don't set yourself up in a successful way to learn how to do those things and put in the work at the end of the day, you know, it, the the effort on the back end is only going to be whatever it is that you put in. Yeah. Absolutely. How do you do all of that while also trying to be present for your beautiful daughter and the family that you have? I mean, four businesses. Come on now. Where do we find that work-life balance? You know, I I have to say we have an incredible management team. So, you know, I have to give full credit to them. You know, yes, we're the owners of four businesses, but we couldn't do it without our team. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in New York, we have an amazing group of people that some of which have been with us since day one and we love and respect them so much um here in napa 
you know, I have my GM, Kat Weiss. She's a, <laughs> she's a rock star. She, um, she actually came to us having never worked in a restaurant before. And she started as a server and within a year she was our GM and we've just never looked back. And she's, she's my, she's my rock. She kills it. She, um, she keeps our place running smoothly and professionally. And I honestly don't think I could have done it without her. Wow. And she is amazing, by the way, every time I go into the restaurant is just a light. And like you said, just someone that, that you can tell really is invested in everything that she's doing there at Grand Electrica. Do you ever find yourself thinking and, you know, is, is Goldie going to take in these footsteps and how you're looping her into the conversation? I know before we've talked about something that I really appreciated from you as a personal individual, but as well as a business owner, you know, in, in the wake of everything that started happening last year, pandemics, all these racial tensions, having a conversation on how do we make sure that the future is okay for the next generation and our Mm -hmm. children? What thoughts as a, a business owner and just as a personal individual do you have on how food and all of the different adventures and journeys that you've been on, how that plays into that? And what was that like maybe different from growing up in Melbourne, Australia? You know, with Goldie, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I of course would love her to sort of follow in my footsteps and, and, you know, take on this path of food and beverage, but ultimately it's, you know, it's up to her what, (laughs) what path she takes, but you know, I'm doing my best to kind of plant those seeds and, you know, trying to get her to, to taste exotic foods from a very early age. And she already has a pretty good palate for, for a three-year-old. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it goes, but, um, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. It's, it's really, it's really going to be up to her to see where she goes in, in life. But so far she's, you know, She's definitely showing interest, so we'll see. Good. I'm glad to learn that. Earlier when we were off air, we were talking about how, you know, you've solidified your roots here in Napa, but it's so funny to me because three of your big babies are out in the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Like, what caused you to stick around in Napa, especially given all the fires and everything? Like, are you ready to, like, bounce out? Yeah, great question. I, um, you know, I honestly, I, I still sometimes struggle with, with being here in Napa with three of my babies back in New York. But, you know, my wife is born and raised in the Napa Valley. You know, her whole family's out here. They've been in the Napa Valley for about 40 years. So they're they're Napa Valley natives. Mm. And when we decided, you know, Blair and I decided we wanted to have a child, Blair was pretty adamant that she wanted it to be out west. And, you know, I had to support that. Of course, we wanted to do it somewhere where we had a great support network. And Mm -hmm. so that was really the catalyst to move us out here. And it's been amazing. And, you know, I can't actually even imagine raising our child without that support network. So being out here has been super important to our lives. Um, you know, where where we go from here remains to be seen. You know, I'm I'm kind of a nomad as as you've already sort of discovered. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm happy to kind of keep moving and, and see where the next journey takes us. But for right now, Napa is kind of where we're at. We love it here. We have a house downtown. We live right on the creek. Our back 
our back deck opens out onto the creek there and we've sort of felt we've, we've discovered our own little tribe here if you will and we have a really cool bunch of friends and you know Napa's kind of where we're at right now and so we're, we're thrilled to be here and um, we'll just see we'll just see what happens from here but <laughs> that's always the, the fun part is just thinking about where is the journey going to take us mm-hmm. from here is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to now that things are going to start to open up and just like what you're hopeful for in the future on a personal level, as well as, you know, as, as an owner of four eclectic, phenomenally successful restaurants. Yeah. Phenomenally successful. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Um, you know, Grand Electric and Napa was, was doing so well leading into the pandemic and 2020 was going to be our year. And of course, COVID changed all that, but we're, you know, we're desperately trying to get back to that place. And so my, you know, my hopes are is that, that we can get back there soon and that we can get back to sort of doing what we do best. And that is creating a super fun, lively, energetic environment for people to come and enjoy amazing agave spirits and incredibly authentic Mexican food. You know, we really miss our party scene because Blair and I <laughs> love to party and um, you know, we throw great parties and if you've ever been to any of our salty Sundays or any of our New Year's Eve parties, you'll, you'll know what we mean. But New Year's Eve. Yeah. We just can't wait to rub shoulders with everyone, hopefully with masks off one day. And, <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's really our biggest dream right now. Yeah. That's so great. Tamara, it is, it has literally been such a beautiful thing sitting down with you here and learning all about your travels and adventures from Melbourne, Australia, your roots dating all the way back to Egypt and, you know, where this original affinity came from towards just at the base and core of everything is I just want to create happiness for people. And you have found that in the food industry, you have found that in the arts industry, and you have found a way to bridge those two things together and to do it from the East coast all the way to the West coast. And I think that is something that is so glorious that very few people get to say that they've done and you're not done yet is the greatest part about that is you are still going. And like you said, you're a nomad and I know you're just going to keep looking for that next adventure. And I cannot wait to keep sipping from your cup, visiting, following along, all of that great stuff. How do people stay connected with you? How do people stay connected and, and have access to everything that's up and coming, whether it be with Grand Electrica, Colony, Pips, all of those beautiful things? Yeah. Check us out on Instagram. I guess that's the best way I'm terrible at social media but <laughs> fortunately my wife is amazing at it so, so that's um, what a partnership's all about that's right, that's right. <laughs> so she handles all that stuff and she does a really great job so you can kind of keep up to date for sure on, on everything that's happening through instagram and, and social media in general perfect yeah. and that you can check them out also as well on their web pages colonynyc.com don't forget that's colony with an ie you can also visit Grand electrica.com and pips brooklyn that's pips with one p.com and then as he mentioned all their instagram social media pages so cool you're not gonna want to miss out on that salty sunday experience memorial day weekend y'all i know you're itching to go out there for some fun and like i said if you want to dig into those cultural roots aquí estamos para esa cultura we have all things latino mezcal tequila happening right here in napa You can have access to it for all my East Coast friends out there. Yes, I know you're tuning in. Shout out to Sam because I know this 
<laughs> that you're immediately tuning into this, you can go ahead and access all of these phenomenal restaurants out in Brooklyn and just check out the scene, y'all, the vibe. I'm telling you, you're going to fall in love with all of the beautiful culture that Tamar and his t- entire team bring to the table. And I think that's what the world is missing, you know, that that little bit of culture. Uh, I know that's definitely what I'm always missing here out of Napa. You know, we're a large Latino population here servicing all of the grapes, making sure that wine continues to be the economy that keeps this boat running. But, you know, you don't get a lot of that flavor here. You got to escape to the Bay Area, that's to it. the city. So it's nice to know that you're here uh, uh, paving paving the path and having the right people behind the wheel to assist you in doing that. Thank you, Gabby. That's beautiful. I really appreciate you. And it's been an honor being on this show. I'm so excited that you had a chance to sit with me. And thank you for saying yes to being on this mic and for letting us sit from your cup. You are uh, an incredible individual, my friend. Salud. Salud. So Tamar's mother was originally from Egypt. He also shared with me that it was a struggle Growing up with the name Temer, he also had a second name. His second name was John. So for the longest time, he always went by John Hamawi. And it wasn't later on until his older life when he started realizing, why am I calling myself John? Uh, which he had also shared and expressed to me off air was, uh, you know, a Bible derived from a Christianity name. So that is also one of the reasons why his mother decided to leave Egypt and move to Australia. And it was through his upbringing and going through middle school, elementary, high school, those uh, grade school eras when he struggled with his identity and he struggled with people constantly butchering his name. We've all been there, right? If one of us has a name that maybe is a little too difficult to pronounce, when the teacher totally butchers it, the whole class starts to laugh, right? And after a while, uh, it gets exhausting. And so, you know, for people of color, especially who have, you know, uh, eclectic, uh, beautiful names, constantly being made to feel like they have to change themselves. And so for the longest time, Tamar expressed to me that he felt like he had to to change that name. But in reality, once he became a grown adult and decided, hey, I'm I'm not John. I have no identity with this name. Let me start embracing myself, my roots. I want to stay true to me. That was when that turning point, that ultimate happiness that he was searching for and started to embrace more of that, which led then to a journey full of excursions around the world, a journey towards trying to ensure that he always instilled that happiness in others through his hospitality services, through all of his business ventures from the East Coast to the West Coast. And you just got to commend someone anytime when they decide to stay true to them because we all know that it's a little difficult sometimes having to experience that counter side to that. So hats off to you for embracing your identity and for others at this time who are speaking up and ensuring that we are calling people by their names and that we're not having to assimilate. I think we're at a turning point and there's more advocacy and we have to all advocate for one another and ensure that that is the new norm and that asking others to make themselves smaller or to change themselves to make things easier for others. Let's get away from that. And blessings to all of y'all. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. If you're in need of a job, uh, you know, the restaurant industry always looking for servers. So check out Grand Electrica. Hit up their websites. You never know where you might find some luck.
Mm. The big sip. 